At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to our newest season of Humane Podcast in 2021. Humane is your first look at the startups and industry titans that are leading and disrupting ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education. I am your host, David Jakobovich, and this is Humane. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, listeners, to this episode of Humane. Today, we're talking about not only the future of work, the future of diversity, and how to leverage AI to build smarter, better, and stronger teams with humans first. Today on our show, we're bringing you the CEO and founder of Eightfold AI, Ashu Garj. Ashu, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure, David. Super excited to be part of Humane podcast. Thank you for the invitation. I've been following Eightfold's story for quite a while, and it's really exciting to see the growth that you've experienced as a venture and continuing to build around talent and diversity. Before we go to where you're at today, can you set the stage for our audience about yourself and Eightfold AI and what led to the creation of your venture? Yeah, let me start by sharing a little bit about myself, what got me here. Grew up in the foothills of Himalayas in India. Got my undergrad from IIT in India, came to UIUC to do my master's and PhD in machine learning and AI back in the days. Was at IBM Research followed by Google Research. Started a company, Bloomreach after that. And in 2016, started Eightfold. Now at some level, pretty standard story. Nothing exciting about that one. But as I reflected back on my own story, it was really a series of good lucks helping hands from people I knew. That is what got me to where I am. And around 2015, 2016, as I started thinking about what's next for me, few things happened. Realized how important employment is for people. If you have the right job, it can change not only your life, but everyone around you. Second thing, in my case, most of the time I got the job because I knew someone at some place. Got lucky. What's it just because I knew the stuff. And realize that that needs to change. Because while I got lucky, I had access. Most people in the world don't. And through data, through AI, actually we can change that. Because with machines at a scale, we can understand who can do what. And third, both as an entrepreneur and early employee at Google, realized 
how important talent is in the success of any company. If anyone comes and tells you otherwise that they made the company, they're just kidding themselves. I am where I am because of the team that I have. So as those three things came together for me, importance of employment, a data problem, importance of talent to enterprises, it became obvious that Eightfold is my calling. Four and a half years in, we have built a talent intelligence platform that is being used by the leading enterprises across the globe to hire, engage, retain a diverse workforce. When you look at tools and technology, they're always changing and always growing, but it starts with people. It's, as you just described, Ashu, it's the people and teams that make us who we are and scale our organizations. The classic phrase, one plus one is greater than the sum of the parts. In fact, it's three, and it can be many times that multiple as teams scale and they are synergistically working together. When you think about the world today, and as we're moving into this hybrid world of in-person and digital experiences, what do you think about the ethics, the responsibility for business operations, for building teams that are people first? Great question. There is research that shows that diverse teams perform better because they bring different perspectives which is as true as it gets. But more fundamentally, actually today, there's no other alternative. If you go and talk to large enterprises, everyone will tell you that their number one challenge is people. They are not able to hire fast enough. Now in that world, if we keep saying no to 70% of our population, women, people of color, people who are in the second half of their life, like getting closer to 45, 50, 55 year old. How are we ever going to solve the talent problem in our society? So to me, not only it is important for businesses to succeed, there's no other alternative. They have to do that. So it has become extremely important for enterprises to think about diversity, to think about their own biases, to understand what talent exists, where it exists, how to bring the right people on board. And that is where data and AI comes into play. Now, when we talk about the talent problem, I've often heard of it in education as a pipeline problem. But is it a pipeline problem or is there something more to it? Pipeline is the most obvious, simplest, easy answer. I looked, I cannot find, I don't have enough people in the pipeline. But more importantly, quite a few times, we are not looking at the talent in the right way. Whether it is about understanding people's background, or it is about understanding their potential. So, for example, you are in Bay Area. Everyone is talking about hiring people from Stanford and Berkeley and MIT, right? That is all goodness. Sure. What about Fudan University in China? Bits Plani in India? Technion in Israel? And so on. These are some of the best colleges in the world, but we are not even familiar with them. So we end up saying no to those people. Second is, what has happened over the last 20-25 years? Technology has seen exponential growth. What I tell everyone is that the iPhone or Android smartphone that you have in your pocket, that practically didn't exist 10 years back. Just barely 10 years back. The skills that we know today are going to be outdated in the next 4-5 years. 
So the average half-life of a skill is less than five years today. The rate at which they come into the market and disappear is faster than ever. And actually interesting joke, but actually a real scenario that happened with us. When we started the company, one of the hiring managers in 2016 asked me from another large enterprise that, Ashu, can you help me find people who have five years of experience in Golang programming language? Sure, let's wait for five years and I will help you find that. But the essence is this. We can't keep looking for people who have done the work. We have to look at the people who can do the work. And that is a fundamental shift in the mindset. But once you change that mindset, you can look at the people from a very different lens. So it's no longer a pipeline problem. That is how you will solve diversity. Because as an example, in Bay Area, in tech, less than 20% of the engineers are women. So if I just keep looking for women who are engineering, who are data scientists, right, I will never solve the problem. But on the other hand, if I start looking for women who can do that work, suddenly that goes from 20% to 40% and I have improved diversity in no time. And that is what Eightfold is all about. I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with one of the leading psychologists working with DEI and working with large multinational institutions. And the work that she does, she told me that some of these executives would come up to her and say, am I a bad person because I haven't been thinking about DEI for so many years? Because I haven't been intentionally trying to hire people from different backgrounds and I haven't thought outside my narrow world view. Am I a bad person for that? What would you say to executives? Like, is now the time to change or, you know, now's the time for a new opportunity? I think we need to be aware of our actions and their implications as an exec. Ignorance can't be the answer. So I don't know whether you're the bad person or not, but irrespective of that, right? We have our conscious biases and we have our subconscious biases. I believe that most people these days don't have conscious bias. They're trying to work around that. Mm. But subconsciously, we are. And we need to proactively work on that stuff. We need to reach out to the people who may not have had all the privilege that we have and support them. We have to look at people beyond what's perceived on the surface, their color, their age. Unfortunately, in Bay Area, if you're 50 plus, it's very hard to find a job as a software engineer. We have to start looking past that. And I think it all starts by understanding that we have our limitation. And I know many of your audiences, David, are people who understand data, AI, computer science. I will give you one interesting perspective. Among multiple big differences between machines and humans, one of them is that machines have the ability to forget and ignore. You can do Dell star dot star, RM star dot star or whatever, right? And read all the files. But with humans, it's very hard for us to forget things. They just get edged and we end up paying attention to the things that don't matter. And once we realize that that is the case, second is we have our biases coming because of the lack of the knowledge. Hmm. Whether the example I was giving you about Fudan University in China, all about a certain skill mapping. 
that you're looking for a machine learning person and you're not able to find, but maybe people with econometrics background or signal processing background could be a great candidates for you, right? Which is a data problem, right? Knowledge. So actually knowledge and removing our biases can really help us solve this problem. So maybe you've not done it, but it's the time to fix this problem. We've seen um, quite a few solutions in the industry to attempt to solve for bias. I recall a few years ago, there was a big tech company that had launched an HR tech solution that was trying to find the best candidates. And there was the flaw with this system that came to the market. It seems that women were excluded from the interviewing and hiring process because it was completely run by a machine, completely run by the AI without any supervision or oversight by humans. Sounds like the technology was just planned to run its course, but perhaps you have a thesis that there needs to be a human AI augmented system. I think part of that is the same ignorance that I mentioned. It's not being blind about the problem that you're solving. You have to be proactive about that. Are you using the data set that is to begin with very biased? Are your features, the way they are being extracted, are capturing those biases? Or your algorithms are not optimized for the challenges that an imbalanced data set will have. Because again, if you're trying to train your algorithms on data scientists, on day one, what you will see is that the women are underrepresented over there, but you need to adjust for that solve for that, right? And finally, there has to be audit process to ensure that your algorithms are not going crazy. They are doing the right thing. And then at the end of the day, AI is not magic. It is, let's use it to help humans do a better job versus just replace them. So they can also bring their own checks and balances in place. I've often read that Carnegie Mellon has their ethical design framework from their software engineering school. And what they have here is about human machine design, teams together. They have this um, checklist where it's making sure that, you know, are you having human oversight? Are you having an audit? Are you having observable features? Can we explain it with simple language? And these are some of the contexts to think about. I know at, at our startup today at Single Store, we're talking also how to reduce bias in hiring. Things such as removing the candidate's name, such as you know, even anonymizing a voice. There's a lot of technology, I think, that can assist in the process, but it sounds like it's more than a technology. At the root, it's a human problem. It is. It's all about humans. And what makes it hard is hiring is just a mechanism. Ultimately, you're trying to bring two people together who are eventually going to work together. And you need to give each other the comfort as well that this is the right setup to a hiring manager. This is a good candidate for you. Why this is a good candidate for you? Around transparency, right? Even though this person may not look and feel like you, they have all the traits that will make them successful in your organization. And to that candidate that, yes, this is a great place and this is the place where you will succeed. And really thinking from that candidate's perspective and that hiring manager's perspective, I think where the algorithms and systems have failed versus they have succeeded is many times these systems are designed to just come in and replace humans. 
And in that case, not only you are not thinking about the system correctly, your thesis is that I really don't need to worry about humans. But on the other hand, if you start by thinking that is a people thing, it's all about people, then the way you design the system, the way they manifest, the way you provide them to your customer buyer, right, is very different. And that has to be front and center. And what I like, David, about your podcast, right, it's all about hum- being human, right? So how do you bring AI in the human thing? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And I think as we look at the data points, you're completely right, Ashu, because you can look at candidates from Carnegie Mellon and Stanford and MIT and say that you want the creme of the creme, but frankly, if you look at someone with a 3.9 average master's student from Stanford and 3.9 master's student from University of Florida, they could have completely the same skills. In fact, maybe even the engineer from University of Florida might be the better Golang programmer, but you wouldn't know if you gave additional weight to the university ranking. Absolutely. And I think there's another big part over here. Quite a few times we treat this as a unidimensional problem. We say that, oh, who is the great person, right? Who is this great engineer from Stanford, right? The challenge with that is we are not taking the context of the work into account. Not everyone is the right fit for every each and every job. One of the things that we believe very strongly at Eightfold is It's not that people are good or bad, or someone is better or worse. Who is the best fit for which role in the company? I can't have that engineer from Stanford with 3.9 GPA doing the sales for me. So they may not be a great salesperson, right? They may not be a great product manager because humans are very complex. Each one of us have thousands of skills. And the role that we are hiring for people today Whatever role you're hiring for, that role will evolve over the next three, four years, right? So once we start thinking about the fit versus the best, everything changes. 
Today, I do a lot of startup advisory with early stage ventures. And there was one startup I was advising. They came out with some new job requisitions for intermediate and senior full stack engineers. And they said, hey, David, can you review the job rec? So I said, sure. And I read through it. And I, I said to them, I said, I think there's some, some potential issues with your job rec that are going to exclude candidates. There were things like must have a MacBook computer or, you know, if you self-rate yourself on this skill, you rate yourself nine out of 10 or, you know, some other things like that. And I said, well, you know, these are things that could exclude anyone who develops on a Windows machine or someone who, you know, a lot of women in the workforce, as the research would show, may not always rate themselves 9 out of 10, but may actually be better than some of the men who rate themselves 9 out of 10. So it's important in how we generate the context for the search to be fair so that everyone feels welcome to apply to jobs as well. Absolutely. So one interesting thing is that back in the days, I did some research in the area of opinion pooling. And the basic thesis over there was, when you say 9 out of 10, and when I say 9 out of 10, do we mean the same thing? Some people like to rate things, everything in middle. Some on the extreme, right? So even this concept of rating does not go to gets too far. Mm. So you have to really assess the people at their full potential. Other thing I would say that happens in many of these setups, which makes it very, very hard and tricky, is we give too much weight to one hour interview process. Like in the early days of starting the company, and someone told me as a hiring manager that, Ashu, I don't care what people have done, what their GPA was, what schools they went to, what they have done in the past. I will do the evaluation by myself for one hour and see whether they are good or not. And that also leads to a lot of biases. We are saying that we won't care about all the work that you have done for the last 10 years. How well you did, how well you executed, how well you navigate it. What we will do is we will take next one hour to figure out everything ourselves. Frankly, I'm not smart enough to evaluate anyone in an hour. And to be honest, I don't think anyone is. But once we start looking at people's execution in the past, we are also able to get around the biases very quickly. Because any meeting of one hour will have a lot of biases. At my heyday of mathematics, I was ranked number 15 in the United States in the calculus division where I did these competitions. And I was this young whippersnapper. You know, I could do all these problems super quick. And I was impressed and people were impressed. But today, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? That was me years ago. Today, I use programming and code to do that. The same analogy can be true for these one-hour code challenges. I mean, if you put someone up and say, okay, let's see if you can build this in C++ or Go or Java in one hour. Well, sure, you know, if I spend a few hundred hours leet coding to do it, I could probably do it. But is that testing for the people you really want to hire on the job? By the way, maybe we should talk to you about the job, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, that is exactly the case. That is exactly the case. You're testing for the wrong skill. In fact, I still remember, right? During my PhD, in one of the exams, one of the students asked the professor, right? Like, can we bring a book 
do the examination hall so that we can just refer it as we are doing the exam, right? And his answer was quite interesting. He's like, let's say you're in an industry. Will someone ask you to write a code and never look at the internet? No, you just need to solve the problem. If you can solve it, however you can solve it, right? That's good enough. But during the interview today, what we do is we completely change that. We're like, oh, you can't use Google. You can't go to Stack Overflow or any of these places to learn about it. You have to just answer on the spot, write code on whiteboard without a compiler, without a, this editor, right? That's not the real world. And then you wonder why this person is not performing when they join, because you were testing for the wrong things. In, in your opinion and experience, Ashu, you know, I've been involved with several startups and a lot of students who I've mentored as they've gotten careers in data science and software engineering. And I, I hear from a lot of these students, it's not fair. The system's broken. How did it get this way? I mean, what do you think about the state of the system today for these engineering interviews? I know some companies are doing it right. They've actually completely scrapped those one-hour code challenges, but but not everyone has. Um, what can we do to be more equitable with our engineers? I mean, at Eightfold, that is what our attempt is. See, these interviews at some level, in fact, even worse, I'm sure you have heard this, that sometimes in interviews, interviewer is just trying to prove that they are smarter than the candidate because it satisfies our ego. But on the other hand, like, no offenses to anyone. What happens today, the way the systems are designed. As a hiring manager, I get a one-page resume. And I have to read that resume and try to understand this candidate. If this person went to Stanford, maybe, and I also went to Stanford, I understand that. If this person was in the search quality team at Google where I was, I can understand their work. But on the other hand, this person worked at this company, was doing with something with Docker's containers that I'm not too familiar with, right? I don't know what to do. Then all I can do is put them through an hour, two hours of grueling interview to validate them. And I think that is also a big real challenge for people to be fair to them, right? And at Eightfold, what we are trying to do is through machine AI, really help hiring managers understand a candidate's past. Be able to dig deeper over there. Look at the peer group of the candidate to see what their peer group is doing today. Look at the career trajectory of the candidate to help hiring manager understand how this candidate has fared compared to others in his or her prior company. And that has dramatically helped us reduce some of these biases and provide a more better experience. You know, I recently um, was working with another venture where I was helping them with their executive search for their CTO. And initially, the company was only looking for candidates in their 20s and 30s because they wanted to be really startup focused. And I said, you should broaden your search. Look for people in their 40s and 50s. You may be able to find someone very talented who's been there, built systems before. And when they opened up to that level, they found an incredible candidate who's very humble, who'd been an engineer for 25 years, built many systems, and now it's been a great, fantastic fit. I think about small success stories like this, and then I also think about the sad stories that we've seen in the news the last few years where other large multinational companies decided to 
provide early severance for employees over the age of 40 for, I'm not sure the reason I can say, because there's so much business expertise and software expertise that people build up throughout their careers that I think you're right. It's often not measured in the interview process. And I think the thing is that we miss that many of these jobs are not only about coding, but about people to have that perspective on the problem. I don't have all the details, but I still remember like when I joined Google, at that time, there was this individual, Wayne Rosing. He was the first VP engineering at Google, but he joined Google post-retirement from his current job. So he was not yet that 20-year-old typical person. He was already working for, I think, 30 years plus and retired, and then he joined. So some of these success stories of the companies that we know out today in the world, the reason they have been successful is combining that experience with the young talent. And I think if companies pay attention, focus on that, how do we bring everyone together? And one thing that I have done in our company, which I'm super excited about is there are many people with lots of experience, combining them with the people who are just coming out of college. And what it does is that brings two very different perspectives together. It challenges both sides really well. The fresh thinking coming from these young people, combining that with the experience of the other leadership team. And to me, that combo sometimes works really well. And as we're planning the world post-pandemic, we're going back into a hybrid world of not only remote, but also in the office. There's been a lot of people who've been impacted both in tech and other industries, whether fresh college grads or seasoned engineers who are now looking for new opportunities. What are some of the trends you're seeing for the workforce as we go back to hiring? And also, what is some of the feedback or advice you would share with candidates on the market today? Actually, next one year is going to be very interesting. For last 18 months, most people were completely hunkered down because of COVID, not doing anything. And now all of these people are realizing that as the world is coming back to normal, what's next for them? It is also giving them a perspective around what their company, their organization did for the people during these times, right? So on the other hand, there are many people who were impacted by COVID. And they are now looking for a job. And then there's a third group where people have now moved from one geographic location to another geographic location. And they may start looking for a job in their own geographic location or a remote job. So I would say that the talent market, right, landscape is completely going to go through a massive overhaul over the next 18 months. As an organization, you should really pay attention to the people that you have on board today. Make sure that you're taking good care of them. Make sure that you're preparing for the churn that you may end up experiencing. And this is also a great time to hire great talent because many people are looking outside. On the other side, if you are exploring, on one hand, there's a great time, but there is going to be a lot of demand and supply that is moving to the market, right? So take your time, think through what you really want. Don't rush into it because whatever you do, right, it will be the defining thing for the next five, 10 years of your career. 
And with that feedback, you've shared a lot about what's next for enterprises and what's next for consumers in their search. If I may conclude with what's next for Eightfold AI? Well, we are just starting. We started the company with the mission of enabling the right career for everyone in the world. I think it is going to be a very long journey for us, but it's a mission worthy of that journey. So every day, our goal is to make sure people are getting the right employment. We are helping improve diversity at the workplace. We are helping everyone get the right job, right career. Well, I'm excited to see uh, once we continue moving back into the hybrid world and in-person world to get stronger diversity in the workforce. And um, it's been incredible to hear about not only your story, but also your experience. Ashu Garj, the CEO and founder of Eightfold AI on how to leverage AI to recognize and improve diversity in hiring. Thanks so much for joining us on Humane. Thank you, David. Really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Humane Podcast. Did the episode measure up to your thoughts on ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education? Share your thoughts with me at humanepodcast.com forward slash contact. Remember to share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a review, and listen for more episodes of Humane. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.